on to the wide receivers and tight ends this week. Um, give me just a second. I got to pull up my notes here. Uh, so we are going back to the offensive side. We're going to hit the the outside, the the guys that make the plays and score the touchdowns. So, uh, Caleb, why don't you kind of go over your criteria with this one? Because there's just so many different um, opinions out there about who's the top five or six um, wide receiver groups, and um, there's there's just, there's just so many so much talent out there that you could really just put this order in however you want. So why did what what makes this order the way it is for you? Yeah, so um, whereas, you know, we went over offensive line and defensive line so far, with those it's more about having a well-rounded unit and maybe one or two great players. It's important not to have a weak link there. With wide receivers, you can get away with having, you know, a real bad number three if the top two are the best of the best. So for this, you know, I really think that the number of elite wide receivers that you have is really what makes the difference. Um, you know, even if you only have one elite wide receiver, you can still have a good core if you have a couple decent guys. But, you know, it's easier to have one or two great wide receivers uh, with a bunch of just, you know, average to below average players than it is to have a franchise left tackle and everyone else on the offensive line to be below average. So for this one, it's more about um, elite talent and then also um, the measurables, the physicality of the players, speed, agility, things like that. So a little bit different, okay. um, just higher end. Okay. So um, based off of that, go ahead and hit me with your bottom five. All right. Well, I bet you can guess number 32. <laughs> we've um, hit it a lot. Yep. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because we've talked about it every other episode. But Houston Texans, number 32. Um, and for the exact same reason as every other one, they have Brandon Cooks. And he, he's a good wide receiver. He's easily, you know, a top 30 wide receiver in the league. Uh, he's when he's very healthy. Professional. Yeah, when he's healthy. Uh, but the rest of them are just guys, you know. It's the same thing they did with their offensive line, their running backs, pretty much everything. They gave a bunch of veterans contracts because they're probably the only teams willing to pay him at this point. You know, their number two wide receivers, are they going to be Chris Conley or Randall Cobb? You know, Kiki Kuti showed something a couple years ago, but he hasn't really been able to follow through or develop. So Brandon Cooks, when he's healthy, which we talked a little bit off air this week, availability is an ability and if you're not there it takes away points from you so brandon cooks and a bunch of guys they're not really going to be able to get much done here no yeah i agree and um there's not a really a bright spot on this texans team and the wide receivers and the wide receiver core is no different um i like you said i don't want to hit a whole lot on the wide receiver core specifically for this team um but yeah they're, it's not looking great for them going into the season and unless some miracle happens this team's gonna be looking to draft number one overall next year yep um go ahead and hit me with number 31 yep so number 31 i've got the detroit lions and you could easily say that these guys would be number 32 and i wouldn't argue it um i definitely think they would be if it wasn't for brandon cook's health issues um but, you know, same kind of thing. It's just a bunch of guys. They have uh, Tyrell Williams, who he was okay for the Raiders, um, but, you know, not great. Geronimo Allison, I believe he was a um, – I believe he was a um, Packer there for a while. 
Yeah, he was like kind of their number three or four guy for a minute. Yeah, so he, you know, he's just a guy, Brashad Perryman. You know, he played for the Jets last year. Um, he, he had a breakout season the year before that, I think, for the Texans. Um, and then he came over to the Jets, and, you know, he had Adam Gase. But he, he did okay. He was open. It's just Sam Darnold couldn't hit the deep ball. So we'll see if he can do anything. And then Quintus Cephas, you know, a young guy who, you know, hasn't really done a whole lot. It's just kind of a guy. So... There's going to be a lot of opportunity for these guys. Um, you know, they don't have a ton of weapons on that team, and they have a good offensive line, so they'll get the ball. You know, we'll just have to see what they can do with it. But as of now, none of them have really proven to be anything more than just a guy. Uh, yeah, and this this core specifically, it seems like um, they've built it with a bunch of number threes from other cores. Uh, Tyrell Williams was the number three in the, for the Chargers for a minute behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Um, Geronimo Allison was number three in uh, Green Bay. And the same with Brashad Perryman in, in New York last year. It kind of seems like he was their third their third best wide receiver. So, mm-hmm. um, the, And they've all had solid seasons at some point or another in their careers. So we'll, it'll, it'll be uh, interesting to see if they are – able to kind of hit that breakout season and one of them becomes that number one. But as far as th- where they've sat before in a core, they've always been that number three um, target for their quarterback. Yeah, and they've got a couple of young guys. So you know, that's really where I you know, like them more than the Texans is not only could they have some guys that take a step forward, but also, like I said, Houston's offensive line is terrible, and their quarterback play if Deshaun Watson's not there is probably going to be terrible. So there's a lot of opportunity here on this team for people to get better. So I think they'll definitely finish above the Texans. All right. Uh, number 30, what do you got? Uh, for here, I got the Indianapolis Colts. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of similar to the Lions a little bit. Obviously, T.Y. Hilton is a very good veteran. Um, and he was one of the top wide receivers in the league a couple years ago. I think he's past his prime. Um, obviously, you know, again, availability is an ability and he has not been healthy lately. Um, so I think that the way that they're going to play with Carson Wentz is going to fit his game a lot better. He's definitely more of a deep threat than kind of a uh, separation guy. So we'll see if he can take a step there. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. obviously was, had some flashes last year, but wasn't great. Uh, I think he only had about 400 receiving yards. I could, I could be wrong on that, but, um, so, you know, he was obviously expected to come in and do something, and it takes a minute for wide receivers to get going, so we'll see what he can do. And Zach Pascal's an okay number three. So there's really nothing exciting here. Um, opportunity for Michael Pittman to take a step up, but for now it's, you know, just a bunch of guys. Yeah, and I, T.Y. Hilton's game really suffered last year with Phillip Rivers being their quarterback. I love Phillip Rivers to death. He's probably my favorite quarterback of all time, if not number two behind Russell Wilson. But the problem is that, um, and this is the problem with all quarterbacks as they get older, they just can't push the ball down the field, and that's where mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton really succeeds. That's where his game is. Um, so last year his stats kind of suffered, and then he got hurt, and I don't feel like he felt the urgency to get back onto the field because he, he probably knew he wasn't going to, do a whole lot once he got back onto the field because the quarterback couldn't complement the type of game that he plays. So, um, I'm, I'm, we'll be paying uh, close attention to see how T.Y. Hilton fits with Carson Wentz and if there's a synergy that they have that the, just wasn't possible with Philip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton. 
Yeah, and you know, just from a couple of interviews I've seen him do this offseason, he seems really excited with how the practices have been going for the Eagles and whatnot. And you know, he likes the arm of Carson Wentz, so you, you know, the, I think he'll definitely Colts. be more motivated. So, you mean the Colts? What did I say, Eagles? Yeah. Ah, yeah, Colts. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be paying a close uh, eye on this this team because they have the the potential to be a really good team and. I guess this is the, the one of the lone weak spots that they have. So um, if if the this group of uh, players can really uh, exceed your your expectations and probably a lot of other people's expectations, this team will be a force to be reckoned with going through the season. Yeah, um, and this is you know they have a really conservative GM, and I think it serves them well in a lot of ways, especially in kind of not necessarily a smaller market like Indianapolis, but kind of a quieter market. Um, but I really feel like this is the team that should have went hard for Julio and giving the price. And I know that they gave up their first round pick next year, most likely for Carson Wentz. So, um, you know, I get not wanting to give away too much capital, but if you put Julio on this team, like, yeah, I think you could go pretty far. So, yeah, this team goes from being one of your bottom three wide receiver cores to, I mean, whatever team Julio went to, they go from being wherever they were, they were going to be to being top 10 wide receiver core. Like, yep. Um, that's just the type of talent that Julio has. He might not be healthy all the time, but a lot of times he pushes through his health issues. So, mm-hmm. um, Looking at number 29, who you got? Uh, here i got the Baltimore Ravens. Um, out of all these in the bottom five, this one definitely has the most upside. Uh, they've done a lot the past year um, to kind of you know, try to fix this the best they can. We saw last year um, just a step down that, the whole team took. Um, I be- Lamar Jackson won the MVP the year before last, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, we saw how good he was that year for him to take a step down. It's, I don't, I, he's obviously not the best thrower of the football, but he's more than proficient. And, you know, the reason why they took a step back, I believe, is because their wide receivers were so poor. And, you know, they want to run the ball first. But if every, if they know you're going to run the ball no matter what, then, they're going to, you know, stop the run because they're going to know what's coming. So Marquise Brown, in theory, should have a lot of potential, but he just hasn't been able to put it together. So yeah, he shows flashes. Yeah. If he can get consistency, then I think he could easily be like a top 15 wide receiver, but he hasn't. So we'll see there. Uh, Sammy Watkins, again, he has flashes. You know, he has games where he'll go off for 200 yards and dominate, but he doesn't do that consistently enough. Uh, Miles Boykin, you know, he's been their number three for a couple years. He's okay. Um, the guy I'm really excited to see is Rashad Bateman. He's more of a separator, and I, I'm really excited to see what he can do with uh, with uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, because he doesn't, Lamar Jackson doesn't have the biggest arm, and Marquise mm-hmm. Brown is a speed guy, mm-hmm. so I don't really think their talents fit together all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Rashad Bateman fits that and fits the system a little bit better. So I'm really excited to see what he could do this year. Yeah, and I th- Rashad Bateman, is it Rashad or Brashad? There's no B there. It's Rashad, right? Yeah, it's Rashad. Um, he, he's the, the new guy coming in. And with the other three, you kind of know what you're getting at this point. You know you're going to get a game or two where the, the player just goes off and has a career game. Um but Rashad Bateman, he's he's that wild card or X factor where you you don't know what he's going to be just yet, and um, I really think that him coming in and being able to build a synergy with Lamar uh, would be 
just something that this team needs. Uh, I don't I don't feel like, uh, as you said, the the talents of Lamar Jackson and uh, Hollywood Brown don't really mesh that well. And I think that finding a player that those those talents complement each other that's what Lamar Jackson needs really like terribly so and I I've never been a huge fan of Lamar Jackson but he's more than capable to be an NFL quarterback so um and he's he won a Heisman he won an NFL MVP he's he's a special talent and you just have to find a way to cultivate that talent and make it um make him succeed in areas that he's never really been able to succeed in the past and amplify his weaknesses or not amplify his weaknesses, but you know what I mean? Like bring his weaknesses up, bring the floor up so that he Mm -hmm. can really become a a solid sound franchise quarterback. Um, So the Rashad Bateman draft pick, I liked a lot for this team. Um, So we'll, we'll see if he's, if he's able to help Lamar Jackson out in the passing game. Yeah. And this system, you know, I think it is, it's one of the few that's probably one offensive player away. They've got Mark Andrews right. who, you know, could chip in in the intermediate. They need a couple guys who, you know, could take a screen to the house or, you know, hit them with the jet sweep. But they don't really have that. Marquise Brown isn't elusive enough. So if Rashad Bateman pans out, I think this team could do a lot of damage. Yep, yep. Um, and then 28, who, who rounds out that bottom five for you? Uh, for here I got the New England Patriots. Um, so this one – Whereas, you know, I said that I take elite talent into this, into account more for wide receivers than I do offensive line. I don't think these guys, I don't think this team has a guy. They've got a lot of good number two receivers, um, but I don't think they have that game breaker who, you know, the defense has to adjust to completely. Nelson Aguilar had a really good season last year with the Raiders, but two years ago with the Eagles, you know, it was a wash. He couldn't catch the ball. Um Kendrick Bourne, he's a decent slot guy. <clears throat> and Jacoby Myers, you know, he's he's efficient but not special. So these guys are going to be able to move the ball. But, again, they don't have a game-breaking talent. They don't have, you know, even, you know, a team like the Jets who they don't have a true number one. They have a couple guys who could become that. Denzel Mims showed flashes last year, and I think the system affected him a lot. Um, Corey Davis, if you know, he broke out last year. If he takes another step forward, could be. I don't think this team has anybody that can be a one, but they have a lot of really good number two talents. Um, who was their their draft pick last year? It was a rookie last year, uh, wide receiver. I can't remember his name. Nikhil Harry, that's what it was. Yeah. How does he kind of fit into that that team? I, I really don't think he does. Um, you know, I think if he was good, they probably don't need to sign as many people as they did. Um, he's, he's just kind of slow. Like, he can't get open. Uh, when he's had chances, you know, he's either dropped it or not been able to get the yardage he needs. So he's a guy, I think he was actually drafted two years ago. Um, so I think he's a guy that, you know, if he doesn't do anything this year, we'll be looking at a, as a bust. Um, so maybe with a little bit of extra competition and, you know, more talent to practice with, he can step forward. But I, re- I think he's almost a non-factor at this point. Yeah, Especially the- with the addition of the tight ends, they kind of take away that same role, so... Yeah, and the this this team's tight ends are pretty solid. Um, they neither of them, I would say, are top five tight ends themselves. But having a group like this with Hunter Henry and uh, oh, what's his name from Tennessee? It's, it's on the tip of my tongue. Johnny Smith. 
Yeah, John Smith. Yeah, having two players like that to really help, um, and that's like Cam Newton's game. He he always he he succeeded when Greg Olson was on the field. Um, he he does not have the biggest arm, but he ha- he can be accurate from time to time, and that's what a solid tight end needs. So having those two tight ends kind of um, steals from the the wide receivers to kind of make a name for themselves and prove that they can be that number one. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Mac Jones fits into that. I, he also doesn't of the five draft quarter or the tri, the five first round quarterbacks this year. He definitely had the worst arm of the five. I it's going to be. Uh, I I don't know what it looks like compared to the NFL game, but I don't imagine it'll be. It'll probably be similar to Campion's if I had to take a guess, right? Um, in a sense, yeah, I think. So, you know, Cam Newton has these throws sometimes, and he has for the past couple years where, you know, it just looks like he forgets how to throw a football. Like, he'll have some of the ugliest throws you'll see on an NFL field, but most of the time he's okay. I think this team, the way it's constructed, is really built for a quarterback like Mac Jones where, you know, he doesn't have the special arm to take advantage of, you know, a Tyree Kill or somebody like that. But, you know, he's very quick at reading defenses. He's, you know, got a good football IQ. He's got... You know, if you assume both of the tight ends are out there every play, he's got five guys who are good, not great. So you just have to – only one of them has to get open. And if he's able to find that one guy quickly, their offense is going to run pretty well. So I like I like how what they've done from that standpoint. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it turns out. Like I said, they don't really have a game-breaking talent. Uh, but when you have a quarterback like Mac Jones who's not special himself but a good distributor of the football – having a bunch of guys might be better than having them. It's kind of like Baker Mayfield, you know, when right. o- Odell's on the field, he plays worse statistically, whether or not, you know, they're causal, you can argue, but he does play worse when Odell's on the field. And I just don't think it's because he doesn't have the arm talent to take advantage of Odell's skills. But when he has Jarvis Landry, who's a short slot player and a bunch of, you know, guys who can get open, but aren't terrific at it. He, he does really well just distributing the football. I think it's the same kind of thing there. All righty. Well, looking at 28 through 30, you have Patriots. Um, I just lost it. Patriots, Ravens, Colts. These three teams are, are teams that are looking to contend in some sort of fashion next season. Whether or not they will or not is a different story. But they're definitely, the, the I guess, at the three, the Patriots are the, the, the least likely to actually contend, but they've made moves like they want to contend um how does having a bottom five wide receiver core kind of affect that mission that they have going into the season to try and make the playoffs and make some noise uh and do you do you think that it's much of a factor or do you think that it's uh where, where, what do you kind of assess that that situation to be for each team yeah so i think um out of those three it's definitely going to affect the colts the most um you know, like I just said with the Patriots, if Mac Jones becomes the starter, which I think he will by the end of the season, then, you know, he's really good at dissecting a defense. In theory, he was in college. You know, we don't know if that's going to translate necessarily. Um, so he'll be able to move the offense. Like we said with Baltimore, if, you know, they get one more guy in there that can get open, that all, they want to run the ball. That is what they want to do, but you have to be able to pass to open that up. So I don't think it's going to affect them a ton. I mean, they still made the playoffs last year with a worse wide receiver core than they have this year. Um, But the Colts, 
they want to run the ball too, but their defense is not as good as the Ravens, even if it is very good. Um, and Carson Wentz isn't built like Lamar Jackson. You know, you can't do all the QB runs and fakes that they do. So he wants to throw the ball, and he's got a big arm that you want to take advantage of. Like we said, that can help T.Y. Hilton, but if T.Y. Hilton has, you know, actually taken a step back from age, then, you know, this team could actually struggle from that. Do you think the um, um, with uh, Jonathan Taylor, that's the name. I want to yep. say Jonathan Allen. I know that's not right. Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Um, do you think he'll be able to kind of help the passing game out a little bit and being able to pull pressure from uh, from the defense and saying, hey, they, they can run the ball, so we can't play too far back to stop the pass. We have to be able to stop the run. Do you think that'll kind of help the the – um, passing game kind of succeed more than they would if they had a, a, a more of an average running back? Yeah, and I do, and, but I think, you know, that'll help more during the regular season. Um, I think if you're playing bad defenses, that will help a lot. But if you're playing a team that can, you know, has good cornerbacks and is able to lock down your wide receivers, then they can just put them in man coverage and you know, send everybody else to stop Jonathan Taylor. And I'm not sure those wide receivers would be able to get open one-on-one. So that's what kind of worries me about this Colts team is that they're going to be a perpetual playoff team, but never be able to make it deep and never be able to win a Super Bowl. Um, And that's why I really thought they should have pushed hard for Julio Jones. Um, And I'm not sure if they had the cap room, but, you know, look at what the Titans did with um, their quarterback's contract to make it work. So there's options you have. And I feel like he would, really would have pushed his team over the edge. Um, so, yeah, against bad competition, it'll help a lot. But, you know, let's say they play the Rams in the Super Bowl. That's not going to matter. They're not going to be able to do anything because they'll just put Jalen Ramsey on T.Y. And, you know, if you put two guys on their other two wide receivers, you know, you still have six players on the field that can go after uh, Jonathan Taylor. So. I don't even think, based off of what you're saying, I don't even think they make it to the Super Bowl because they're going to have to hit, no. play it play the Ravens or the um, or there's another AFC team that has a really good corner. Uh, the Browns should. The Browns, yeah, they have two solid corners. Based off of what you're saying, it doesn't sound like they're going to even be able to get past those teams if with Marlon Humphrey or Denzel Ward no, walking and, down uh, T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, and then like that's what worries me about this team. You know, The Colts aren't one of my favorite teams, but you know I like to watch them and I like it when they're winning, so we'll see. I could be wrong. Like I said, if Michael Pittman takes a step into an elite wide receiver, then that changes the whole outlook. But, you know, he hasn't done it yet. Okay. All right. So let's go to your your, uh, your top five. I was going to ask you a question about the Texans, but I'm, I don't want to beat a dead horse. So um, <laughs> let's go to your top five. Uh, who do you got at number five? Number five, I've got the Miami Dolphins. Uh, so this one, you know, like I said, elite talent. I think that this team could have three number one quality wide receivers. Uh, Will Fuller showed last year in the absence of DeAndre Hopkins. He has what it takes to be a number one. Um, He was terrific last year. And now, you know, they don't give out specifics. So I'm not going to assume it was because of the PEDs. But, you know, that's something you have to (laughs) kind of have in the back of your head. Um, But he, he looked really, really good last year. Devontae Parker was kind of a late bloomer, and even if you want to say he's an average wide receiver, he's still an above-average number two. He played really well with Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
um, worse with uh, Tua, obviously. So, and and this group is really how they look is going to depend on Tua, but I think individually their talent is very high end. Um, and and then they drafted Jalen Waddle this year, and I was not that high on Jalen Waddle, but I've had I've seen enough teams. Um, you know, the Jaguars leaked their draft board. Um, Miami talked about, you know, how high they had him. And teams are really, really high on Jalen Waddle. So I'm going to trust them. They've spent more time looking at him than I have. Um, so I think this team has potentially three number one wide receivers. Kim Grant's a good slot guy. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. is a good kind of gadget weapon. Preston Williams is good. They, they are five or six deep with some very high-end talent. The reason why they're not higher is just because, again, their numbers haven't been terrific because their quarterback play has been hit or miss. So if they put it all together, they could easily be number one this time next year. Yeah, and watching Jalen Waddle in college before he got hurt, he's, he is special. Like, it's I, – I think it was between him and Jamar Chase being the two best wide receivers in, in college football two years ago yep. when LSU won the championship – the, he he is a special talent, and um, it'll we'll, we'll see how he kind of bounces back from that energy and injury, not energy injury. Um, and he he did show that he has heart in the national championship game this year when he came in and played on a bum foot, bum leg, yeah. and um, he should not have been out there. I don't know why he was out there, but he has heart. So. Uh, we'll we'll see where he goes with his his NFL career, and as long as he doesn't be, become like a Brandon Cooks, where he's always it seems like he's always getting hurt or banged up, uh, I I do expect him to become the number one for Miami, and um, at least be like kind of he's smaller, so he'll fit he'll kind of fit more of like a Tyreek Hill or not, maybe not as fast, maybe more like like a Tyler Lockett kind of role where um, he's kind of a slot like build wise as a wide receiver but he he plays like a number one um like a six foot five type of player um that's that's kind of where i see jalen waddle as long as he stays healthy that's 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 kind of why i feel like he was so high for a lot of teams yep um number four number four i got the pittsburgh steelers um they're kind of similar to the uh dolphins for me i think um Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool both have the potential to be number one wide receivers. And then Juju Smith is a very good, you know, slack guy, possession guy. They are all very young. And again, I think the way that they look is going to depend on uh, Ben Roethlisberger. And I do think he's lost a step, step, but I also think that he suffered last year from not having a um, off season and, you know, coming off that shoulder injury, he probably didn't rehab it properly um, or give it enough time. I know, Reports are coming out now that he was still kind of hurt to start the season. So we'll see if he can get anything back. And if he does, this group is going to look really good. Uh, I really like Chase Claypool, you know, just from a physical standpoint. Like, he is fast. He's explosive. He can get open. And I think with a with the right quarterback, he, you know, could easily end up being a top guy here in a couple years. Um, Deontay Johnson, very good separator, gets open constantly. Um, last year he had a case of the drops. I think he dropped about – I want to say like a little over 10% of his passes. I think it was 14 out of like 110 attempts. So that number should go down. He didn't suffer from that his rookie year. 
So hopefully that's not a chronic problem for him. Um, and then Juju Smith-Schuster, even though he's only 24, he's been in the league for a good bit of time now. You know what he is. He's, you know, short red zone guy who solid hands and plays with physicality. So, you know, he's the guy you want, you know, in the red zone, like I said, grinding away. Um, so this group has a lot of potential. So it sounds like a lot of at least four, your fourth and fifth spots have been more about potential, right? Then, I mean, they have the the this the the measurables to be number one wide receivers, but they they may not be that yet. So you you're looking at their potential to be really really good going into the season. Uh, a little bit, I would say. Um, the Steelers less so than the Dolphins. So with the Dolphins, you know, I think Will Fuller and. Um, Devontae Parker have showed that they can be number ones. And then, you know, Jalen Waddle is the kind of unknown. So I'd still have him top 10 even without that unknown factor of Jalen Waddle, but he just really makes that group exciting. With the Steelers, all these guys, other than, you know, Chase Claypool's a rookie last year, but, you know, if you just look at their metrics, how often they're open and whatnot, I think they've all proven that they are very good. It's just it's not going to show up on the stat sheet unless Ben Roethlisberger, you know, gets back into old form and with that offensive offensive line i'm not sure if the numbers are going to be there but yeah these guys are often open and they're all very good and you know can make big plays i juju had that 98 yard touchdown a couple years ago so even he has you know some breakaway speed to him so i think they've all proven it um i think that if they reach their potential they would be higher than four and five but both of these teams have you know top end talent several players gotcha. deep gotcha all right, so number three. Uh, number three, I got the Tennessee Titans, who were nice enough to trade for Julio Jones before we did this episode. Uh, <laughs> and it's real simple. We said it last week. A.J. Brown is a top ten wide receiver to both of us, and Julio Jones, when he's on the field, is the top ten wide receiver also. So yeah. you two of the best guys in the league. You usually have three wide receivers on the field. It doesn't really matter who your third guy is at that point. Right. I have a soft spot for Julio Jones. He's been my keeper in fantasy for <laughs> three or four years now. I got a, I, I traded uh, traded for him from one of our friends who I think I traded peanuts for him, yeah. and uh, I've had him on my team. I, I got unfortunately had to get rid of him last year because he was just too ouchy. But, um, yeah, he, he is a special talent, always has been. And, um, I mean, when you can put together multiple 200-yard uh 10, 10 plus reception 200 yards games in a season like that's just and then you add that to AJ Brown who also could probably do that if he wanted to like that's he really is that that team's going to be fun to watch this year yeah and and you know like we said last week I don't necessarily love this for their long-term success but I do think that this moves them from you know kind of a I guess it'd be seven and ten now or an 8-9 team, and they'll probably make the playoffs this year, and really that should be your goal because you never know what happens once you get in. Um, so I think they're probably going to do something kind of similar to what Tampa does and you know, kind of lets Julio kind of play soft during the regular season and then come back full swing for the playoffs. And if they do, then that offense is, you know, that should terrify teams just from the potential it has. Um, but if he stays healthy, this is easily going to, you know, they're going to be open constantly. Absolutely. Um, number two. Number two, I got the Dallas Cowboys. And the only reason why they're above the Tennessee Titans is because I think they have three potentially top 20 guys. Um, 
Amari Cooper's done it for years now. He came to the league really young. He's only 26, but, you know, feels like he's been playing for 10 years. Uh, and he has, you know, he's he's already proved it. He gets open. He gets the yards, especially with Dak Prescott. He works really well. Um, CeeDee Lamb was my favorite wide receiver in the draft last year. He ended up being the third one taken off, so that's a huge deal for them. And I think he'll probably end up being better than Amari Cooper, if not this year, the next year. Um, and so he had a really good season last year, so you know he's proven he can do it. We just don't know how high his ceiling is yet. And then Michael Gallup, has he was already one of the better number twos in the league for, um, I think it was like about three years before C.D. Lamb got there. And now he's by far the best number three in the league. So these guys go three deep with a good quarterback. They have a couple decent depth guys in case, you know, they want to run five wide or anything like that. But those big three, really, they're special. Yeah, they, they, they have something. I mean, that team's always been able to build an offense. Um, and when you're, bring, you're bringing back Dak Prescott, and uh, as long as he can come back from his injury and um, play to the level that he was playing to last year at the beginning of the year, uh, this offense is going to be special. Uh, and the, these three wide receivers with Dak Prescott have proven to just – all three of them just – they just mesh well. Like yep. we, we were talking about earlier, where a lot of wide receivers and quarterback combos, those two just their their skill sets just don't mesh. This team has been able to build an offense where all three of them mesh well with their their quarterback. So um, it'll I th- this team is some this offense is special and it always has been special. It seems like yeah, if they're able to get a couple quarterbacks um, this next offseason, I would not be surprised if they're Super Bowl favorites for the next couple of years. Um, obviously, they locked up Amari Cooper long-term. CeeDee Lamb's still on his rookie deal. Um, now, we'll see how they can work with Dak's new contract, but they're close. They're de- uh, they were in our bottom five for defensive line, but you know, defensive tackles are e- relatively easy to find. Um, there's more good defensive tackles than most other positions so I think there are a couple secondary players away from really being a special team I even think their offensive line is better than people give it credit for just can't stay healthy it's just old at this point a couple years ago it was a brick wall you couldn't get past it and um, the as it sits right now those bricks are kind of falling out of the the molds a little bit but um, we'll we'll see if they can kind of get back be healthy and really be able to um become the the unstoppable offensive line that they they were a couple years ago or i guess a movable object unstoppable force a movable (laughs) object that's that's the saying so we'll go with a movable object on that one um number one who you got uh this one i got the tampa bay buccaneers again you know they're um mike evans chris godwin again i think they're both two top 10 wide receivers so they're pretty similar to um the Titans are there, but they have better depth than the Titans, so that's why they're number one. Uh, Antonio Brown, I mean, the fact that he's their number three wide receiver is kind of crazy. Hey, yeah. hey, no, their number three wide receiver is Scotty Miller, all right? He's a BG <laughs> alumni. <laughs> hey, well, he certainly will be. I, You know, the few chances he got to play, just because of the absurd amount of talent they have, he made the most out of it. So, and, yeah. you know, he's, he's the main – not the main reason, but he's one of the reasons why they're number one is just the depth they have is kind of crazy. Yeah, Antonio Brown, even if he's lost a step, which it's kind of hard to tell because he didn't play a ton last year, uh, but he was good when he was there. You know, Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller, both draft picks that look like they're going to be good number two or three. So, you know, 
two top ten wide receivers, maybe the best that easily a top three, um, number three wide receiver there, and then some really good pieces on the back end that have upside to them. Yeah, I I loved Scotty Miller, and um, he, I mean, he's kind of the reason why they got to the Super Bowl this year. They or this past season, they, um, it didn't really seem like it, but that the NFC Championship game was kind of close, and that touchdown he scored just kind of put. Yep. The, just put a dagger in the Packers. They, they, it kind of just deflated them, and they didn't have, they didn't feel like they had the ability to come back after that one. So, um, but they were, they had been trading blows back and forth going down the stretch, and then Scotty Miller scores that touchdown, and it's just like, man, we're not going to be able to come back. There's just no way. Um, so, I, this this wide receiver, like these wide receivers, for fantasy wise, I, it's kind of tough to to say which one's going to be better because. I mean, they're just so good, and they're kind of going to cannibalize each other a little bit. But yep. um, as long as they're both healthy, last year Chris Godwin, when it always seemed like one or the other was off the field, and the other one really succeeded because of it. But if they're both on the field, this offense is so good, and the their ability to just kind of the, it feels like the Chiefs a little bit. They they just can score at will, and. Um, I don't know how you can stop it, and I don't know if I don't know if there's a way to stop it, if you can even find a way to stop it. So um, this this team is by far, I think, the best the best offense at least in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean they're in our top five wide receivers as well. They go three deep. You know, I don't think Gronk is terrific. You from, mean tight ends? Yeah. What did I say? Running backs. You said wide receivers. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yep, tough five tight ends. You know, Gronk, I don't think he's anything special athletically anymore, you know, even production-wise, but he has that connection with Tom Brady, and he's always going to be where Tom wants him in the end zone. O.J. Simpson, physical Howard. player, a lot of upside. Howard. <laughs> you said O.J. Simpson? Oh, Jesus I know who you meant. Yeah. You didn't know, not the right guy. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> uh, and then Cameron Brate is a good – he'd be a starting tight end on any other team, so – O.J. Simpson, Jesus. O.J. Simpson, that's not the right name. It's <laughs> not the... <laughs> All right, Goodness. so um, looking at... I Okay, so I have a question for you that I didn't write down, um, but I'm curious because mm-hmm. uh, I think you know what question I'm going to ask you. I don't know if you, you, you should, um, but looking at your top five, there's a duo that you have left out that a lot of people are super high on me myself included why don't you have the seahawks up there (laughs) well i'm just not as high on them as everyone else i guess i mean so look i'm not going i don't think dk metcalf is a great route runner and i don't think he's a great separator and this and like short to meet intermediate but he does things no one else can do so in that sense he's an elite talent you know even if it's not it doesn't matter how you do it if, as long as you get open, I guess. I don't, like I said, I don't think he's a great route runner or anything like that. Tyler Lockett, he's explosive and he's good. But outside of that, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody else on that team is special. I think they benefit a lot from Russell Wilson, who, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I think if DK Metcalf had 30. If he didn't have a top five quarterback, I don't think he. I think it's kind of like Chase Claypool, right? Like Chase Claypool is fast, explosive, and physical, and I imagine he, you know, could probably do similar things to DK Metcalf in a 
Russell Wilson-led offense. Um, but when your quarterback, like, I don't like the Seahawks. I don't hide that. Russell Wilson has the best deep ball I've ever seen. It's incredible. It just, it literally drops from the moon into the wide receiver's arms. So I think he benefits a lot from that. And they'd definitely be top 10. I think the Vikings are another team that could be up yeah, there. That's with... a, yeah, that's that's another team that a lot of, I mean, they're, I guess the, the teams I'm thinking of are more duo driven, right? So you have the, the Vikings, the Seahawks, they have those, the two, that duo that really um, bounce off each other well. But neither of those are in your top five. For um, sure. And, you know, I think that the only, the only team in my top five that is a duo is the Titans. And I think that's easily the best duo at this point. Yeah. Um, and if yeah, you, I, won't, I won't fight that. That's true. Yeah. And if you put the, any of those teams over the Dolphins, I wouldn't hate it. But like I said, the Dolphins have two guys who have proven that they could be number ones on a team. And if Jalen Waddle, you know, reaches the potential that NFL teams obviously think he has, then they have – three guys whereas you know the vikings and the seahawks they have two super good wide receivers but after that it really kind of drops off yeah um i don't know i my my issue i would i I like your top three i think your top three are solid uh top threes i've never been huge and maybe this is just because i don't like pick pen but i'm not huge (laughs) on the steelers um uh, and they're all, they're wide receivers. I think honestly, I think it is because of Big Ben. I think if you put the if you put like Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or like one of these top five quarterbacks, uh, um, anybody with a big arm that yeah. can really push the ball downfield, then I think that that the, the, those guys really succeed and and flourish. I just think with Big Ben and the point of his career, he he's always been kind of the the type of player that he doesn't put in the work in the off season like. Patty Mahomes or Russell Wilson does, um, and it's always kind of he's always been able to just his talent has won him games and has won him a Super Bowl and that's and that's fine. But um, I I I myself am a that's a big pet peeve of mine. I like guys that want like are hardworking players. Uh, so I'm not the the Steelers. I've not. I've never been a fan of of that team and how they run their team. But, um, yeah, I I I would put the um, the Vikings and the the Seahawks. I would put both of them in your. I, probably you could flip flop them, but I would put them in your four or five spots because I think that I mean the, the both teams have thousand like both teams have two thousand yard wide receivers, right? Mm-hmm. So I I. To me, I take I take that on a higher. I mean, and we're different. Like everybody's different. They're gonna they're gonna take things and look at things differently. You you want to look at the metrics and how they they do without the ball, but I like to see what they do with the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and like I said, I have no issue with that. I, I know I'm higher. I really like Deontay Johnson. If he doesn't drop, no, I as, think I think Deontay Johnson and Chase. Honestly, they, that team, the way those wide receivers are. Um, I think they are very similar to the Seahawks. Chase Claypool is literally the exact same build as DK Metcalf, and Deontay Johnson is very similar to Tyler Lockett, and they both fit the exact same roles. So uh, that's what I'm saying. If, if you yeah. put like if you put uh, Russell Wilson, like if you took Russell Wilson and put it on the Steelers, or if you took those two wide receivers put them on the Seahawks, I feel like it would just it would carbon copy. The offense would look pretty much the same. Yep. Yep, and that's. I think with all these rankings, we're going to kind of get you know, 
anywhere from the number four to seven, maybe even ten range is really going to be which players you like most, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, not at all. And um, I mean, I'm a I'm, I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm not going to hide it, but I'm <laughs> I'm not the only one that's high on the Seahawks wide receivers. So I, I just kind of wanted to to get your take on it. And honestly, I wanted to put it on the record that way. If uh, if you're wrong. Then everybody can be like, "Oh, you were wrong." No, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. But hey, um, I'm ready to be wrong about DK Metcalf. But <laughs> I, well, if if he ever plays without Russell Wilson, then we'll come back to this and we'll know for sure. But I'm not sure if that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, I don't know, man. Russell Wilson saying he's there to win, and he was never actually wanting to leave, even though he said that or he had his agent put out four teams that he was willing to go to. So yeah, that that I mean that that whole situation there i'm used to it at this point it seems like every year russell wilson's upset and wants to want something to happen and it hits the media and then it's just a whole a media blitz about it so that gives you something to talk about in the off season yeah something for seahawks fans to worry about every off season <laughs> <laughs> all right um let's go to, to the tight ends tight ends um i don't want to spend a whole lot of time on them just because you know who your top five or six teams are. And then the bottom, as you said off air, I think it was yesterday or the day before, tight ends are just kind of like a dime a dozen once you get outside the top top six, five, six uh, units or even just players themselves. Like the the Chiefs have the best, arguably the best tight end in the NFL. And who's their second string tight end? Like, um, Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. So we'll go through your top five and then – yeah, we'll, we'll go through your top five real quick. So who you got a five? Five, we already talked about him, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Gronk's got a connection with uh, Tom Brady. And then O.J. Howard, very good athletically. Um, <laughs> got a lot of ups- this time. I know. Yeah. Um, he has a lot of upside that he's never really met. And he was supposed to I, – I don't think he was quite as highly touted as um, Kyle Pitts, but he was very highly touted, never reached that. But he has the tools to maybe do that at some point. And then um, Cameron Brate. He was a very good number two before they got Gronk. Now he's easily the best third tight end in the league. So deep and effective. Yeah, all three of these players will be would be starters on any other team. So yep. Uh, number four, got the Raiders. Uh, I, Darren Waller is just like he's incredible, and he's one of my favorite players and one of my favorite stories in the league. I don't know if anybody deserves the success that he's gotten more. Um, and you know. You don't need to have three deep tight ends. Having a special player like Waller really, you know, will change the offense. So I've got him at number four. All right, number three. 49ers, same kind of thing, George Kittle. Um, Now, the reason why he's number three is just because he can't stay healthy. Um, If if he was more consistently on the field, he'd be number two. But he's not. I mean, as we said earlier, availability is an ability, right? So. Yep. both of us take that into account when we're looking at I mean I don't really do the homework that you do but I do uh, I mean I, I do form opinions we all form opinions mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I, I, I'm I very like take heavily into account is if the player is even on the field or not so um, number two uh, number two I got the Browns um, I think Austin Hooper is the top ten tight end on his own and then David Njoku kind of similar to um to the Tampa guys, he uh, was, Howard. yeah, yeah, he was a uh, highly drafted, uh, physical, and I think that he has shown it on the field. I just don't think the Browns have always utilized them the right way. 
So he definitely has the talent. And then, like I said, Austin Hooper is very good, very good at run blocking, which is a little bit of a, uh, you know, people don't look at that as much with tight ends, but I think it is important. Um, so they go too deep, and I think they've got two, two top 15 at least, maybe two top 10 guys, depending on how you feel about Njoku. Yeah. Um, uh, last year, a lot of people were kind of questioning the Austin Hooper move. Uh, I'm not sure why they were questioning it. Maybe people just didn't think he was as good as he was. But uh, I I've always have liked Austin Hooper. I felt like he was incredibly underrated for the Falcons. And um, I, he was missed tremendously last year. Mm-hmm. That that offense kind of set, felt very one-dimensional without him. And then even like once Julio was getting like was ouchy, it, that offense was very predictable. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Hayden Hurst was a first-round pick, and, you know, he was a severe downgrade from Austin Hooper. So that just shows yeah. you how much he's developed. And, you know, while he might not put up the numbers that make that contract obviously worth it, like I said, he contributes in the blocking game, and he could pull people away from the wide receivers. Yeah, and he, like, that that team is not <laughs> – that, that team is built to be a hard nose. We're going to just – ram this football down your throat type of offense right yeah and the austin hooper fits that mold perfectly like he's not he's not your uh travis kelsey or your george kittle but what he does he is very good at he's probably i would say he's probably the best run blocking tight end that is also good at pass catching in the nfl like he he does everything so well and he's he's kind of a um i wouldn't say a jack of all trades sort but he he is very good at what he does. Yeah, I think Hunter Henry is probably close to him in that regard, but Austin Hooper is definitely better in those aspects. And yeah, but the it, thing about Hunter Henry is he he's not available. He gets hurt all the time. Yeah, and I and I want to talk about the Patriots and why they're not in the top five just for a second. While I have that, it's it's that as well as I think that they have two twenty to ten guys, but I don't think you can make any arguments for Hunter Henry or um, I just had his name. Giannu Smith Smith. being, yeah, being top 10 guys. So they're definitely number six, but I don't think that, you know, Hunter Henry's not healthy enough and Giannu Smith is, he's good, not great. I agree. I think that's a a very good point. Um, uh, Then going to number one. Uh, This one is just the Chiefs. We talked about it for a second last week. I think Travis Kelsey, if he plays another five, six, maybe even seven years, he's going to go down as the best tight end in NFL history. And he's got somebody who could end up being the best quarterback in NFL history to help him get there. So he's special and he brings something that no other tight end can. Now, now hold on with the best tight end in NFL history. You're Mm -hmm. telling me, you're telling me that he's going to be better than uh, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates and Kellen Winslow. I'm probably, yeah, I'd say that, uh, (laughs) The biggest threat to that would be the boy down in Jacksonville there. The boy down in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Former quarterback. Oh, my God. Media <laughs> sensation. I hate it here. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Okay. No, in all, all right, serious, though, Travis Kelsey, I mean, you can argue. He's a Hall of Famer for sure. And like I oh, said, yeah. we'll see how his career ends out. But he's a top five tight end of all time right now. It's all going to be opinion if he gets to number one, but he'll definitely be close. Yeah, I see. Here's my thing about tight ends. I used to when I played football as a tight end. Um, I and I just think that to me, 
for my money, Kellen Winslow is he's never put up the, the stats. He never put up the uh, like he was never like a special talent. But what he did was he created the tight end position to what it is today. And he's the reason if he never played football, the tight end would still be what I wouldn't say it would still be, but it it would have taken longer for the tight end to become a pass catching position. Yep. And so to me, that makes him the best tight end of all time, just because he's the revolutionary. He's the first one to do it. So, uh, but like as as far as stats go, no, t- Travis Kelsey will probably be the the best tight end in that regards. Yeah, I mean, wasn't he almost the top receiver in the league like nonstop yeah. Yeah. this past year? So. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's special and he. He's already, like you said, he's already a Hall of Famer, and just everything from here on out in his career is just icing on the cake. Yep. All right, so there, it does seem like there's always a few tight ends that, like a, I, I wouldn't say a few, I would say there's a tight end or two that come out and just kind of emerge as a special ta- talent in the NFL. Um, last year it was Robert Tanya, and he kind of came out of nowhere. Before him, it was Darren Waller with this comeback story and becoming. I mean, he's on your top five, uh, in your top five right now. So, uh, d- who do you think has that ability this year? Um, and do you, do you, or do you even think there's going to be anybody that does it? Well, the big question is whether or not they can do it more than once. Um, I think there's a couple guys who can have good years and might talk, may, might work themselves into like the top twenty top 15 range um even top 10 there's not a ton of great tight ends you know top 10 isn't necessarily hard to get if you're effective um i think chris herden for the jets he had a real good season a couple years ago um i think it was three years ago at this point and then two seasons with adam gase you know it's kind of hard to tell how good a player is playing under adam gase so reports from otas are that he's looking more like his older self than he did last year so We'll see if he can bring anything back. I think uh, Mike Gesicki from the Dolphins, he's one of those guys who's reliable, good, not great. We'll see if he can take a step. Um, and the guy that I'm most excited for is uh, Adam Troutman for the Saints. You've probably never heard of him. Yeah, I've never heard of that guy. <laughs> but he's very athletic. The only wide receiver on that team is Michael Thomas. And they've got a couple decent uh, depth guys. I think Demarius Thomas is still there. But... As far as athletic players go, they don't have a ton. So I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, Taysom Hill, he's got a good arm, but it's not huge. So intermediate routes are going to work well for him. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Troutman breaks out from being a no-name to at least a consistent target. Um, but I think any of those three guys, and, you know, I nobody knew who Darren Waller was until he broke out. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to tell, but I think those three are the most likely. All right, um, I will be keeping my I, – I know Chris Herndon, he um, he was really good. Of, he's not – I wouldn't – okay, let me restart. I don't want to <laughs> say he's not really good because he is really good. But what I want to say is he was a solid piece for that, that offense, and I do think that uh, he has the ability with – hopefully with Zach Wilson and a new offense coming in that uh, he can really show how good he can be. Um, and then the Mike Jasicki one, I, I think he was – I mean, he kind of did that last year, right? He came out of nowhere, and he's kind of a contender to uh, be that type of player that trying to hold that breakout status and becomes more of a, a household name going into this season. Um, like, he, I'm pretty sure he, other than Josh Allen, the person that won our fantasy league last year, had Jasicki on, on his team, and he's kind of a reason why he was 
um, always in a position to win every every game every week was that Jasicki was just going off and nobody knew who he was. So, um, yeah, Jasicki's another one for me that I I, I I like that that name a lot that you threw out there. Um, and then the guy that we haven't talked about yet, but was the the player of the draft and was supposed to be the 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 next Megatron, Kyle Pitts. Um, what do you think are realistic expectations for him this season? Um, and then, kind of, where do you think he'll go after the season? And it's hard to say because I mean we're we're grasping at straws at that point. We don't have any tape to to go off of uh, NFL wise. But we're, what are your uh, expectations for him? Yeah, so he kind of intrigues me. He's one of the few players that I haven't watched tape on yet, uh, just from this past draft. And that's because, you know, with Trevor Lawrence, he was generational. But there were other good quarterbacks, so I kind of wanted to see how they compared, so I made sure to watch them. A lot of good wide receivers. But it was full stop. Kyle Pitts is the best tight end we've seen in a decade. Nobody's been close. So, you know, I kind of put off watching his film just because there wasn't anything to contest it was just a given um so i need to get in there and see how he looks as far as this season it really all depends on matt ryan i mean he's an athletic freak he put up wide receiver numbers at his pro day so he's going to be open in theory as long as they you know give him some good stuff to work with in the offense but matt ryan has historically played play, played much worse without julio jones as any quarterback would but We'll see if Kyle Pitts is able to play well enough to kind of recreate that. And if he does, I think we're probably talking about a record-breaking rookie season. But, you know, we said it a couple episodes ago with rookies, you really just want to see flashes and not, you know, consistently average and some flashes. If if you get that, you're going to be happy. So realistically, I'd say 600 to 1,000 yards receiving somewhere in there. Um and if he takes off and fills in that Julio Jones role, then you know we're talking about a thousand plus and a couple awards going his way. Yeah, I think that by by this time next year we'll be talking about Kyle Pitts becoming or lining up more as a wide receiver than as a tight end because uh, he he fits. He looks like Megatron, and he, I don't think he's ever had to uh, really pass block or block in general not pass block because he would be going out on pass plays but like blocking in general and um i don't think he had to do that much at florida they didn't have a any sort of special running game and they i mean they had uh a couple of uh, Kadarius tony and um kyle pitts so they were more about uh that air raid style offense and um i i don't think he'll be able to pass or to run block in the NFL. I don't think that's something that he, he's never had to develop that skill. I don't think that once you get in the NFL, you're going to be able to develop that skill just because you're going against the best of the best. So um, for my money, I'm going to say that he's probably going to end up becoming more of a wide receiver in the NFL. And I, I hope I'm wrong and hopefully he'll be, be that tight end. And it'll probably honestly be more like a, he'll probably end up being like Travis Kelsey where he, I mean, Travis Kelsey is not special at run blocking. You know him because he can catch passes, and he's damn good at it. So um, that's kind of where I see Kyle Pitts. I don't know if he's going to, like you said, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that this year, but that's kind of where uh, I feel like his, his career is going to end up be like end up falling. Yeah, and, I mean, you could call whatever 
what position he plays, whatever you want. It's really about whether or not he lines ends, lines up inside or outside because it's going to create the same problem no matter what. If you put a cornerback on him, he's going to be bigger than them, and he's just going to moss him every time. You put a linebacker on him, he's as as athletic as a wide receiver, and he you know he's going to shake him within five seconds of the snap. So you put him on the side of the offensive line, that's fine. They don't know if he's blocking or running, but if you put him outside – you know, maybe bring a big safety up and double them, but then it's still a 50-50 ball, so. Yep. Uh, well, he's the, he's the name to watch, I, f- I feel like, for pass catchers this year, him and uh, Julio and his new system. There's not a, been a whole lot of uh, drama or, like, stories otherwise, so I think those two are kind of who we should be paying attention to going into this season, and um, – I'm just curious to see how if Kyle Pitts is going to live up to the hype. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Alrighty, so uh, that's going to wrap it up for the pass catchers episode. Um, next week, since we've been going back and forth, offense to defense, we're going to go to the outside of the defense next week. We're going to talk about the secondaries. Um, we'll do kind of what we did this week where we have two separate rankings. We'll do corners separate from safeties um, just because – they play such different roles so uh, that'll, that'll be what we do next week so we will uh, catch you in the next one